0: I'm Mark Olson, and this is The Real, a podcast where culture and entertainment meet. I write about movies here at The Times, and a frequent topic of conversation among my colleagues on the entertainment staff is how tough it is for any of us to just keep up with a relentless wave of content between movies and TV. So this show is about the stuff that we're watching and how we watch it.
1: He wiped out 50% of all living creatures.
2: We lost, all of us. We lost friends, we lost family. We lost a part of ourselves. This is the fight of our lives.
1: This is gonna work, Steve.
0: After 11 years, 22 films, $18 billion in counting at the global box office, Avengers Endgame is finally in theaters, bringing to a close a chapter in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's been a big emotional investment for fans, and judging by the reaction of some of its stars, it's been one for the actors as well. Meanwhile, over the course of the franchise, MCU's long-form storytelling has redefined Hollywood. We have had a lengthy relationship with these characters. Are we ready for the endgame? Today's episode is in two parts. The first is spoiler-free, but that is followed by a section for people who have seen the film. So listen for the cues and come back to take it all in, both before and after your trip to the theater. There's a lot to process. Let's listen in. So here to help me make sense of it all this week, I'm joined by my colleagues... Justin Chang.
2: Sinai Kelly. Jen Jen Yamato.
0: And now, Sanaya, you're the most genuine fan of these movies among the group of us, and so I want to start with you by asking, with Avengers Endgame, was this the movie that you wanted, and was it the movie that you expected?
2: So it was not the movie that I could have wanted or expected, because I could have never predicted the levels that they would go to, or how ambitious this plot would have been. I thought it would be hard to follow up Infinity War, because Infinity War was already a pretty good movie, but... I could never, ever have predicted that the plot would be this ambitious and then the continuity would be this flawless. I've seen it twice and I went through the second time, like combing through it to make sure like there were no plot holes and there weren't any. And the acting was amazing. Robert Downey Jr. brought such ravitas to his role. It was just incredible. I don't think any fan will be upset with this movie. And now,
0: Jen, so just to be clear, we're going to start with being spoiler-free, spoiler light, and then we're going to really take the gloves off and get into it. So, Jen, maybe you can sort of, like, bring people up to speed. In the most spoiler-free way, how would you describe the plot of Avengers Endgame?
1: What we all know is that Thanos snapped his bejeweled fingers and half the world disappeared, and then the other half remained very sad, including all of our remaining heroes. And that's where... Avengers Endgame begins.
0: Justin, and you reviewed the film for the paper. I think you were at the premiere the other night. And the movie does start with this very sort of mournful, sort of elegiac tone, as if both reflecting the fact that half the population of the world just died, and also the fact that it's as if the movie itself is aware that something here is ending, that this is the final film in this sequence of movies. Can you talk a little bit about the tone and just the feeling you got from watching Endgame?
3: Yeah, I loved that first section of the movie particularly i think the first maybe not quite an hour but roughly you know it's a three-hour film which you know when people hear that it's a three-hour movie but i think that what i like about this movie is i think it feels shorter than infinity war which was just so packed and which i didn't much care for actually but this one i sort of happily surrendered to for the most part and i think that in slowing down and in Taking stock of the character's grief and the trauma and the tragedy, this works immediately to the improvement of the movie, not to be callous about it, but killing off half your cast can be a good thing because then you focus on the characters and conveniently the original Avengers who have all conveniently survived and you can really dig in and focus on them and you just get kind of more character development, more emotional investment for your money and your sympathies are just more engaged
0: now you were at the premiere the other night as well. Tell me a little bit about what it was like to be there, especially coming off of Infinity War, which had that very emotional ending for people. Just going into Endgame, I think audiences are sort of ready for this very emotional experience. What was it like to be there with the cast at the premiere the other night?
2: The energy at premieres are always better than anything you'll get anywhere else because people are so excited to see their own work. This premiere was weird because it was in a convention center. It was so different from the Dolby Theater.
1: Yeah, can you paint the picture of all of the effort and what I can only presume are like bajillions of dollars that Disney put into staging this premiere?
2: It was in like a basketball court-sized room with bleachers. At the
1: L.A. Convention Center? Yeah, at the convention
2: center. But the seats were really comfy.
1: I've heard it described as Disney basically took over the L.A. Convention Center downtown and constructed an entire IMAX theater for the
2: premiere yeah there was a lush purple carpet it was beautiful it was just a very effort.
3: unconventional choice yes. for a premiere
2: kind of strange i was into it after a while but it was very cold in there also i don't know if this is relevant at all but it was freezing and then the bathrooms were really far this is super irrelevant territory but <laughs> it was just because i was nervous about three hours you have to go to the bathroom before you go and i almost got lost It's so funny.
1: A lot of people are, like, really planning out and oversharing their bathroom (laughs) tendencies. It hasn't even been 12 hours since I got home from seeing it. But what I distinctly remember is people were excited. I went to see it on the lot, on the Disney lot last night. And people were so excited. They could not wait to figure out their bathroom options. (laughs) And there was, like, a real bathroom panic right before the movie. Disney did not even provide drinks, I think, on purpose.
3: They right. gave us small bottles of water, which was probably <laughs> smart. Very Like the half size. Oh yeah, the premiere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, But
0: I think after the screening at the premiere, both Chris Evans and Chris Hemsworth mm-hmm. said how they cried multiple times. Did it feel extra emotional somehow? It was interesting to me. I saw where the cast came up after the movie to speak and take like a round of applause, which doesn't typically happen at premieres. Usually all that sort of stuff happens before mm-hmm. the
2: movie. Right. I thought that made more sense because... I wanted to hear what they had to say after rather than, like, introducing this movie. Chris Evans said he cried six times. And then Chris Hemsworth, one, joked.
3: Time. I cried, I think, more than six times, Chris. Um,
2: yeah. But it was very emotional. It was super emotional. During the sad scenes, it was dead silent in there. And you'd hear people sniffling. Wait, and, like, so you're
1: saying there's are more than one sad scene? Uh Sanaya? I'm just Spoilers.
2: saying there were multiple times to have an emotional reaction. And that didn't necessarily mean that somebody was killed off. But, like, I was overwhelmed with emotions. And, like, my heart was beating really fast. And I was like, oh, my God, am I having a panic attack? Or am I, <laughs> is this how I go?
1: Like, <laughs> I'm having so much fun talking to people about how to talk about right. Avengers Endgame. Because, obviously, it's so big. An event movie. And it's 22 films and 11 years of investment. Mm-hmm. And nobody wants to be spoiled, and so that kind of means that you have to very deliberately choose how much you care about other people's feelings when you talk about it. Yeah,
3: and it always comes back to this question of what even constitutes a spoiler anymore. This movie is shot in widescreen and color. How could you? How could you give that away? The headline of my review, which I don't think is that spoilery, but people took issue with just that headline.
0: But now tell me a little bit, Justin, how you feel about what Jen was talking about. The fact that we're 22 movies deep. I mean, we're way past... The emotional investment you have when you walk into, say, Godfather Three, we're way past even the emotional investment you have at this point in any of the Star Wars pictures. In some ways, the only thing to really compare it to is what's also happening right yeah. now with this final season of Game, Game of, Thrones, of Thrones. Absolutely, of people having spent this much time with these people, and does it just change the dynamic of watching a movie when you're dealing with that level of sort of backstory and
3: investment? I think it does. There is something that is in terms of feature films unprecedented level of long form storytelling going on here and i think what that actually bears out is something that some very smart people have said over the years which is that (laughs) we talk about kind of the blur between film and television and the avengers movies are in a way it feels like television it almost feels like an office comedy as much as it is a superhero epic. So you get to know these characters, they're coworkers, (laughs) and they are just hanging out a lot of the time. There's the, the humor has always been as crucial to the movie and it's funny too one of the disappointments i had with endgame but which is no different really from my problems with a lot of these movies even ones i really love like black panther is that i don't think the action is all that interesting these are action movies in which the action is somewhat beside the point where it's just not very well shot it's not very coherently staged it doesn't really get your pulse pounding it's it really is about the characters and the dynamics and the endlessly intertwined mythologies so
1: and that's what has carried this whole franchise through is people's investment in the characters i think one of the things
0: I found interesting in Endgame, in particular, is the way in which building up to this. You know, the Ant Man movies have had their own specific tone, especially the Thor movies, and in particular, Thor Ragnarok went off in a completely different direction tonally than with so many of the other films. And it's interesting here, where with the character of Thor, they keep the tone of Ragnarok, and so it's like always moving into this odd comedy space whenever he comes on. So, did how did you feel about the way that? Endgame juggles these very distinct tones that come from all the different movies now.
2: I think all the fans are happy to see Thor be more funny because his first two movies were not interesting without that comedy element. The second one in particular, I think because the humor is so lighthearted, like it's never really an issue when they make a joke. It's always a wisecrack and it's always like, oh, that's kind of cute. Like you either laugh or you don't, but you don't take issue with the film for being funny at moments. There is always comedy and tragedy. There, like you can't extricate. You can't take the two apart, so Thor works when he's funny.
3: Well, and I think I remember even just the first Avengers movie, which I think was like seven years ago, I think 2012, I could be wrong, Mm -hmm. was the first one that I felt really, really embraced the comedy where, and of course that was the first time they all came together, and it really was the statement of identity. I think that these movies are going to be funny. I rewatched a little bit of Infinity War before I saw Endgame, because I hadn't seen it since last year, and I was like, wait, how does this start? It starts off, and you realize that Ragnarok is actually the last scene of that led into this. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's interesting because that was such a funny, lighthearted departure, and yet planted the seeds of this cataclysmic conclusion.
1: Yeah, I think that this film does a really great job of validating fans' investment and how much they've been paying attention, how much they've let themselves be totally taken into each of the individual installments and so you get a lot of callbacks that I think are really validating for people who have spent the last 11 years of their lives with these characters and with these stories and I I really like that I'm glad that the filmmakers tied it up in that way because it did feel satisfying to me and I have to say I was thinking about this yesterday I was at Comic-Con in 2007 when they announced the first Iron Man. And everybody was like, who?
3: Yeah.
1: Who is Iron Man? Like comic book fans remember him, but like he's not like a Spider-Man or like Superman level or Batman level kind of guy. And that means that most people have had probably a longer relationship with Iron Man and the Avengers franchise. Yeah in the MCU than they've maybe had in their personal lives. And that is a weird thing to think about.
0: But do you think that that's part of the reason why people have been able to become so invested in these movies is that the fact that these were maybe second-tier characters or they weren't characters that most mainstream non-comic book fans have the just sort of like, Ambient knowledge of like a Batman or a Superman. And so really you were kind of getting into some of these characters for the first time through these movies. And that's why people were getting super invested. In well, that.
1: and Guardians of the Galaxy is a great example of that because I think that was arguably the least familiar. Those characters from the first Guardians movie have really become so ingrained in the hearts of the MCU fans and I think there's some really nice payoffs to that in Endgame.
3: I think also whether you call it second tier status or whatever has allowed these actors to put their imprint on these characters in a way mm-hmm. that, say, Batman has been played by many different actors and Superman as well. Robert Downey Jr. will forever be Iron Man. I mean, I just you know maybe who knows what will happen in future incarnations of the character, but we're at this phase where the level of ownership I think is unusually strong there.
0: When I was watching this, I was thinking a lot about. Robert Downey Jr, Mark Ruffalo, Scarlett Johansson. The way that some of these actors have really gotten locked into this franchise just as like time management and it's been difficult <laughs> for them to be in other that is true. movies and that I it's interesting to me to think about for example someone like Natalie Portman that she kind of, you know, on purpose or not, she did not become a huge part of the MCU, and so she's continued to have the, her own career, and that Scarlet, in some ways, has been thwarted by the Black Widow movies and by the Avengers movies, and do you feel like we're, we've, I don't want to say robbed, but that we've been yeah, robbed of I think, other no. films and other performances oh, from sure. a lot of these actors?
3: And that's not, I mean, and... Yeah, it's not entirely a good thing. I think it's to the good of the series, less so to the actors, perhaps. And Mark Ruffalo, who I do actually love as the Hulk, but is such a great actor and has so many more dimensions to him beyond this. And there have been movies, I think, where you can tell, oh, yeah, they're they're just they're This is a phone it in performance. How do you feel about
0: that, Jen? Do you feel like these actors have gotten stuck
3: in these roles?
1: I think that I'm sure that any celebrity-level actor enjoys the trade-off of that. I mean, we saw the Avengers got their handprints in front of the Groman's Chinese the other day. I think the approach to the credit sequence is very interesting.
0: Well, it's done as this kind of roll call style credit so that you're seeing images of the actors as it's having their names. But then the original Avengers, you see the actors' autographs on screen with them. It's funny you bring that up, Jim, because that really stuck out to me, too. I'd never seen anything quite like that. It's like we're celebrating the character, the performance, and the actor in that moment. And it felt odd.
1: It's an acknowledgement that these specific celebrities brought these roles to life and helped those roles, those characters, and therefore this franchise connect with fans. And so it's interesting. A lot of this movie is designed as fan service in, I think, mostly really effective ways. That credit treatment is something I've just never seen before. And
0: fan service is a term that's been coming up a lot in reviews and the writing that's already happening around the movie. So how do you feel, as a fan, how did you feel about when there are all these kind of nods to previous movies and, like, funny little moments? Did you like those moments, or did it sometimes feel a little too, like, here's some candy, kid? Um,
2: <laughs> going back to the credits thing, I feel like that was, like, an acknowledgement of the end. It was, like, this phase of these Avengers is over, and... A curtain call. Exactly. It was like a curtain call. You can feel it the energy in the room when there's super fans there and they're audibly gasping or cheering or crying sometimes. I think Marvel is the only studio that can really do that at this stage right now. Like no other film has a franchise where you can cheekily reference of previous movie, even if it's a bad one, because they did that too. Like they made comments about movies that they know did Mm -hmm. not work (laughs) and it was still funny and it was still like, oh, that's a nod. Like I got it. Star
1: Wars arguably has that like level of fan dedication and (laughs) over analysis of minutia, but it does not have like a self-reflective, self-aware sense of humor.
0: Mm -hmm. Now we're going to move on to the spoiler section. We'll take a brief break and then we're going to get into some of the specifics of the plot And for those of you who haven't seen the film, you'll probably want to hit pause and come back for the rest of the conversation after you've been to the theater. Hi, everyone. It's me, Lucas Peterson, L.A. Times food columnist. And I think you'll be pleased to learn that the L.A. Times food section has relaunched both online and in print. We have excellent recipes, outstanding reviews, unbelievable local food news, all for you at the very affordable price of 99 cents for the first four weeks for online access and $1.99 per week after that. Find our content online every day and in print on Thursdays. Go to latimes.com HungryLA to subscribe. Let me go back to Sanaya. From where we were left with the previous film with so many of the characters dead, What did you feel about how they handled the snap and all the, quote, dead characters and moved on from that right away?
2: So I agree with Justin in that I don't like Hawkeye, but I appreciate how the film opens with his character and his loss. It is beautiful, and it's so haunting almost. It felt very quiet. The movie
0: opens with the sound of wind. Right. And so it opens on this very quiet note. We see Jeremy Renner's character of Hawkeye, who is in this sort of exile at the beginning of the movie at the moment of the snap, he's with his family living on a farm. It's a beautiful family scene. And then his entire family disintegrates to leafy dust. And so I think right away we got that sort of sense of sadness that put us basically back in the emotional place of the end of Infinity War. I mean one thing I thought was interesting with that and actually throughout Endgame was in the same way that with Infinity War, you were like, oh, there's an awful lot of Doctor Strange in Infinity War. I found in Endgame it was like there's an awful lot of Hawkeye and end game yes. why is like a storytelling choice do they kind of go towards maybe some of those b characters you
1: okay think? how dare you guys call <laughs> hawkeye a b character i love hawkeye i don't know why i've always liked jeremy renner in this role i always have archery's like super cool um i just have really liked that character and that he's always been like a little unimpressed by the avengers I like that vibe. And I missed him when he was missing from, like, the main action last film. I was like, what about Hawkeye? And I think what opening with Hawkeye does is it lets you know that it hasn't forgotten. All these loose ends that you maybe thought were loose ends are going to be addressed. And I think there's something really nice about that. Like, sorry, I can only care so much about the core Avengers. And even then, there's definitely a hierarchy in my heart of who I care the most about. And Tony Stark is not high on that list. But Hawkeye is the only family man. He has a family. He has a wife, played by Linda Cardellini. And so I think opening with him really hammers home not just like the shock of the Thanos snap, but that sense of loss that everybody who's left behind feels is then processed or not processed in different ways. And that's much of what Endgame explores is how all the people left behind deal with their survivor's guilt. So I really like that continuation of Hawkeye's story. And I think it's hilarious that he then gets like bad life choice tattoos and like a faux hawk. Um, (laughs) Like a lot of that a works Hawkeye. for me, faux Hawkeye. <laughs> Sorry. Yes. And also, that, I have a yeah. question. Do you guys consider people dead or just like disappeared? They call them the vanished.
3: I am just ready after Green Book, and this. I'm ready for Linda Cardellini play something other than a wife who is abandoned in the first part, <laughs> only to come back at the end.
1: Yeah, We're here, <laughs> You're here, here
3: that. But this is a much better movie than Green Book. Here's a clip from the film when the Avengers developed their
0: first plan to find Thanos and retrieve those Infinity Stones.
1: He used the stones again.
2: Hey, we'd be going in shorthanded, you know? Look, he's still got the stones, so...
3: So let's get him. Use them to bring everyone back.
2: Just like that? Yeah, just like that.
1: Even if there's a, a small chance that we can undo this, I mean, we owe it to everyone who's not in this room to try. If we do this, how do we know it's going to end any differently than it did before?
3: Because before you didn't have me.
2: Hey, new girl, everybody in this room is about that superhero life. And if you don't mind my asking, where the hell have you been all this time? There are a lot of other planets in the universe. And unfortunately, they didn't have you guys.
0: Justin, you mentioned how in your review, the headline of the review uses the phrase time twisting. They definitely have like kept, you know, under wraps that this really becomes a time travel movie in that they use some quantum shenanigans to See, travel decide. through time. I mean, yeah. it basically becomes a heist movie where they're trying to get back in time to get all the stones to stop Thanos yeah. from being able to do the snap in the first place. And that almost exactly the hour mark is when that part of the story takes over. How did you feel about how they handled that story element?
3: I thought they did it really well. And I happily went along with it. And it didn't completely surprise me. Like, oh, yeah, this makes sense. And the reason why I don't think time twisting is a spoiler is because that doesn't necessarily connote time travel. There are ways to twist time. There are ways to rewrite the past. But what I like about it is because it's funny when we're talking about the fan service element of it. I've stuck through these movies just through professional obligation. I've never really considered (laughs) myself a fan. And I've enjoyed a lot of them. But even while enjoying them, I've never considered myself even close to a fan. But I like some of them. I dislike some of them. So... Most of the callbacks, the Easter eggs, even some of them because my engagement with the plot is still somewhat cursory. I was like, wait, who's that? But I didn't mind that because I think that's all fine. And I think that the device of going literally back in time to revisit flashbacks and replay and update flashbacks from the previous movies is a lovely way to both advance the plot and also pull everything together and also... Tickle your funny bone, but also your tear ducts, and get you feeling that nostalgia. And the movie does have an awful lot of fun with frequently referencing Back to the Future,
0: and whether it well, should,
1: Paul Rudd has a lot of,
0: well, and whether it should be their model of like how to think of the time travel because they have some fun with the complications of the just very concept
3: of time travel. And I wrote my review. I love that they kind of replay the would you kill Hitler debate in in Thanos context, which I think is very funny. And I'm glad that they sort of say, no, we can't do that because, well, here, this is why.
1: I'm curious. What do you guys think of Thanos? Do you dig Thanos? This is a lot of Thanos. I I know he's like the big bad that everything's been like leading up to.
3: I like him a lot. And I think Josh Brolin's a really good villain. And I think that he does have this gravitas. He feels like he doesn't have to be flailing all over the place in order to just command. And I love that. You get to see him die twice. Talk about fan service. I think that's great.
2: I appreciate that he's not a one-dimensional bad guy like a DC comic movie would be. He like oh, actually shade. has a point. That was shade and it was intentional because I thought Shazam was terrible. And I got kind of upset about how well it's done at the box office because it was really not a good movie. But anyway, that's a sidebar. I thought that Thanos... Like, even though it's a very extreme, he kind of does have a point. We are ruining this planet alone. Like, if he's not just evil for the sake of evil, like he said, he's impartial. He wants to kill half the planet, but he's not distinguishing between the rich and the poor. He's just doing it dispassionately. Like, he has a purpose. He feels like it's his destiny, and he wants to do it because he thinks everybody will benefit from it. It's not just like, oh, I'm a bad guy. So I appreciate that. And like you said, Josh Brolin is a very good character and very yeah.
3: convincing. And also the fact that he, early on in the movie destroys the stones. Necessitates the rest of the plot of the movie, but it's like, oh, I don't actually want to wield this power. And he says something about, like, it would just tempt him. So he has this integrity despite being an evil megalomaniac. I do not need to wield power for all eternity. I thought that was a really interesting dimension to the character. But
0: also, I think this had been set up in Infinity War and has really continued here, the characters of Gamora and Nebula, played by
2: Zoe Saldana and Karen
0: Gillan, that they are, like, Thanos's sort of adopted daughters and there's a lot of very like sort of like familial tension moral tension that comes about through those two slash three characters and the way they're interacting with thanos the way they sort of have to do you know do or do not do
3: his bidding
0: justin how did you feel about the way the story like spent a fair amount of time focusing on the two of them
3: i really liked it and insofar as there was a nice symmetry too because infinity war was in some ways, very much Gamora's movie and she you know, mm-hmm. made the ultimate sacrifice mm-hmm. in this one. And this one feels very much like Nebula's movie, even though it's obviously yeah, focused on right. the primary Avengers and the fact that she's playing a dual role playing herself. And I think Karen Gillan is really great in this. I found those scenes all very, very compelling.
1: Yeah. And her character's arc really speaks the loudest to the idea of, are we who we are? Because we were born
3: Kind of nature versus nurture. Yeah. yeah,
1: I did find that this movie kind of muddles its thematic intention more than some of the other installments, which are more narrow in focus and therefore have a little bit more clear runway to deliver some sort of metaphorical message about the nature of being a superhero or being a part of a team or saving the world or fighting with your BFFs and then like not talking to them for a while. This one tries, I think, more to... Service the characters, which takes me through. I'm so glad to see these characters journeys completed, but it sort of muddles the overarching thought of like, why superheroes?
0: And I think with some of the previous Avengers movies, and especially the Captain America and Iron Man movies that have been leading up to this, they really have centered on that Tony Stark, Steve Rogers relationship. And I know that the directors, Anthony and Joe Russo, they have said that they feel that Iron Man is sort of the heart of the Avengers and that Captain America then becomes kind of the soul of the Avengers. So now how do you feel like this movie grappled with that distinction between the two of them and especially where maybe it leaves them both at the end of the movie?
2: I don't know why Jen said that she doesn't have Iron Man high on her list. I think, like, Captain America and Iron Man would be arguably the two most important characters. Like, you could do without the rest of them and, like, just have films on the two of them alone in their dynamic.
1: I'll say why I don't love Tony Stark is that we spent so much time focused on him. And I don't enjoy spending that much time with any egomaniac. So I've just, like, had enough Tony Stark. You know like, what I mean? He's
2: an egomaniac, but, like... Like a good one. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. He is a good one. He is... There literally would be no Avengers without and it,
1: him. And it is interesting to me to see how Endgame wraps up this long, long story that essentially began with Iron Man. A story about a bazillion billionaire arms dealer, basically, reconsidering his purpose And I think that's interesting. I think there are a lot of themes that I think you're right. The Russo brothers brought in about the nature of heroism and how it should be waged. A couple of characters in Endgame have very specific thematic messages like Thor's arc. He's self-doubting and he goes back in time to go talk to his mama. And so that she can tell him that it's okay to fail and not live up to whatever ideal that you think you're supposed to. I don't think that every one of the Avengers brings that to Endgame.
3: Which speaks to the sheer number of characters. But hearing both of you talk about this, I think it crystallizes the fact that family actually is a strong thematic throughout. This is a movie about coworkers, I said earlier, but also friends, you know, and it's about the bonds of friendship. But a lot of them also have this other thing where their family therefore gets put on hold. The whole Thanos, Nebula, Gamora thing is most tortured family dynamic. But then I think this goes back to the opening and why we open with Hawkeye and his family getting evaporated. And then you have Tony Stark, who now has a five-year-old daughter, but he has settled down himself. Captain America, in the last five minutes of this movie, lives this whole lifetime that we don't see except a brief glimpse of his weird time journey, which has been there from the beginning, gets reconciled finally in this and we don't even get to see it and it's because he never got to live with the love of his life. And so I think it's nice to see how the characters all make peace with that tension.
1: Well, except for Black yes, Widow exactly. does not get that. And I do take a little bit of issue. Like That's disappointing to me to see so many white male characters get to write out a very fulfilling character arc and Black Widow, the only female Avenger of the core team, is sacrificed. And, like, I get that she's sacrificed for, like, the future of the human existence or whatever, but it's not satisfying to me as somebody who has long wanted Black Widow to get more of her due in equal to those of her male counterparts. And... Marvel, over a decade, has not done that. And it's been kind of, like, really consistently disappointing to see her get short shrift. But she's also not the only character, I think, that does get short shrift in Endgame, which literally brings out everybody.
0: Well, let's talk for a moment about the big finale of the movie. So after the time heist goes well, and they get back the stones, and they're able to sort of, like, wrap their fingers and re-reverse the vanish, that then suddenly, for the big battle at the end of the movie— Every single character you can possibly imagine suddenly arrives. And how do we feel about that? I mean, Justin, I think you talked about this in your review that, and you even said earlier that like the action in these movies oftentimes gets a bit muddled. Even in a movie that tries so hard to do everything differently, like say like Black Panther, still gets stuck in like a big battle ending. And this one, which is the biggest, it just seems not, like somehow that just
3: didn't feel climactic in a way. It is disappointing to me because I like big battles when they're done well. I think, you know, I wish that this movie had a little bit more of a Peter Jackson or a Mm. George Miller sensibility Mm. because those things can be done in ways that amplify character and where you're not just putting character on hold. You know, they can be done very fluidly and coherently and thrillingly. So I do feel like the action is just an afterthought and it's not the worst thing. There's something kind of good about that too because, okay, we are here for the interplay and the narrative, but I think it speaks to sort of a lack of imagination in terms of just how those things are visualized
1: any action scene in a movie like this that is so heavy on vfx takes eight months or more to complete so it's like a matter of time and money so where do filmmakers or rather producers invest
0: one thing we haven't talked about maybe arguably the biggest new addition to this movie is the appearance of Captain Marvel, Brie Larson's character, in that big final battle, there's a moment where, sort of, calling back to a similar moment in Infinity War, where there's this de facto girl squad that forms of all the female Avengers are going to like have this little kind of mini squadron and. Jen, as you were saying, do you feel like the future of the Marvel franchise that after Black Panther, after Captain Marvel, that they have gotten the message that they see the future of where these stories are going is going to be in diversity of characters and the representations that they're putting on screen?
1: I mean, it's one thing to acknowledge that you have all of this really great female power by letting them have five seconds to squat up on a battlefield, but then begs the question, well, what else are you doing? Is it just this is the moment where all the ladies get to have a meeting in the ladies' room on the battlefield? Or are you letting those characters enjoy the privileges that you give to your other mostly white male characters? And, I don't know, it is interesting to see Captain Marvel, Brie Larson's character, integrated into the team here, but she kind of, She's gone for most of the time. Is in and out. In she's a busy lady. Mm, you know busy. the universe is popping, so like out fires she's got a lot over. to do. But that's also kind of like a, an excuse for yeah. not working her more into it. So I, I was not impressed by them giving all the ladies a moment because women in the MCU should have more than just a moment.
3: I felt that it was sort of token, sort of performative, and kind of meaningless. I do think it's maybe held up as a promise. I think that the scene at the end where Valkyrie becomes the new king of new Asgard or whatever is sort of a nice sort of valedictory moment where it's like, okay, you are going to come into your own in future movies and they're lining up this next group. Um, I just want more of Denai Guerrero and everything. She's sort of in a little bit longer than some of the other black Panther characters, but not nearly enough for, for my liking. Of course, this is their big goodbye to Iron Man and Captain America. Those are the two white male characters That's you know that's so they're they're of course they're going to dominate and i think that the series is in this sort of maybe awkward adolescence where they are moving to a more diversified thing and, and that's all to the good but i was struck by just watching this even with these sort of token attempts to show their diversity it's for the most part this is an angsty male psychodrama and has been for the better part of 22 movies
0: Because, Sonia, what comes next for the Marvel Cinematic Universe? I think later this year, there's going to be Spider-Man, Far From Home. And then I think it's essentially unscheduled. I mean, there's a lot of films that are sort of like in development and production. There's Chloe Zhao's The Eternals. Destin Daniel Cretton is working on Shang-Chi. And then I think there also is supposed to be a Black Panther standalone, another Black Panther movie, another Guardians movie, a Black Widow movie. Do you know much about what happens to the MCU from here?
2: I have no idea but I hope there's another Guardians movie soon especially with Thor seemingly joining the team and them going on the hunt for Gamora. I think that'll be a very interesting and potentially funny movie. I'm mostly just a fan of the film version of the MCU but especially with this Fox merger I'm I'm expecting to see like X-Men and Fantastic Four and I can't even imagine how they will take those characters and do this essentially again with a huge assembly of characters on screen at one time and Advanced their storylines and their arcs. So I'm excited to see. I have no idea what's happening besides Spider Man.
1: Disney, a few weeks ago, announced that their new upcoming streaming service, which is probably making all the Netflix executives sweat a little bit, Disney Plus, is going to include a whole slate of Disney Plus streaming series that are spin offs of the MCU movies. So we'll see the return of familiar characters that we know from this specific franchise. And I think the audience is there. I think they want to see more of Elizabeth Olsen in her ragey witchiness. And I think it's interesting also to see how much Marvel's Kevin Feige has played this because it has to be said, as the architect of the MCU over these 22 movies, they've done such a good job jamming all these puzzle pieces together in an unprecedented way. And... So far, it seems like the audience has warranted it. They want that. I, too, would like to see more Guardians. I would like to see more from Wakanda. I would like to see more of the women in the MCU. This movie, all of the dudes get to like express these tortured character arcs, and all the women basically get to wear different grief hairstyles to indicate like where they are in their lives
3: brie larson's haircut in this movie oh my oh my god
1: i'm into it i like it but like (laughs) has anyone ever like what did you ask for at the intergalactic space hair salon why this hair black widow's two-tone grief hair very evocative i've been there you know but that's like the extent that we see from some of those characters
0: And so the end game is now over, but the MCU will apparently soldier on. And so uh, I thank all of
3: you for being here today. Uh, Justin, where can people find your work online? Uh, Yes, uh, you can read me and all my colleagues at LATimes.com. And you can find me on Twitter at Justin C. Chang. Sanaya?
2: I'm on Twitter at Sanaya K. You can find me
1: at Jen Yamato.
0: And I'm at Indie Focus. And so for LA Times Studios and The Real, I'm Mark Olson. Thanks for listening. And this week's show is produced by Katie Cooper and edited by Mike Heffler. And thank you to Ramin Satuda for the use of his audio of Chris Hemsworth.